Welcome back to Plug and Pay, a talk show where we bring you the latest and greatest of global payroll every week. I'm Angelique, Paysar's Head of Content, and today I'm here with Max, our Head of Service Delivery, for another weekly episode. Uh, So as well as our usual episodes with Mark and Max uh, every month, these weekly episodes will focus on the day in the life of a payroll professional and have fun whilst talking about our passion for payroll. So how are you doing today, Max? How was your week? I'm great. Thanks, Angelique. I had a a lot of passionate payroll discussions this week, and I managed to reconnect with one of my former team members talking about our favorite topic, designing payroll calendars, and this time for 2024. So always a high passion for payroll that everyone I speak to. I'm glad to be back on Plug and Pay. And I'm glad to have you back. Um, so in today's episode, we're going to be talking about a dilemma that many global payroll professionals face, and that is, so the payroll is approved after putting in the blood, the sweat, the tears, and now you've found an error whilst the payment's already in the bank. So my question for you is, have you been in these situations? And if so, how did you approach that? Yeah, thanks for the question, Angelique. And unfortunately, I have been in those situations. I must admit, not many times, but I have been there. And probably the one situation that comes to mind is, at the time, I was processing around 10,000 employees for a payroll. Indeed, the payroll was approved, reconciled. The team have done all the checks. I've done the reviews. And uh, the payment file went through our e-banking platform, ready for me to approve and push the button. Because in the end, someone needs to say, yes, this is all okay, and let's disperse all the payments. But then I got a, an email from one of my HR business partners to say, we found that we've inputted an incorrect bonus because we added a zero too much. Yes, well, this can happen regardless of automation. And we were fairly automated. Something Mm -hmm. can still slip through. As you can imagine, a payroll of 10,000 employees, which was a single country at the time, you know, a lot of transactions go into it. So there was was an error. But then the the payment file was already in the e-banking platform. And I think it was... Two, di- two business days before the actual value date of the payments. Mm-hmm. And then you're faced with a dilemma because, of course, an overpayment is something that you always want to avoid. Every payroll professional, every HR professional wants to avoid an overpayment, let alone from an employee perspective. So then you go- get into a conversation or, I must admit, a heated discussion where you evaluate options. Of course, if we would do nothing, and let the payment go through, this employee will receive too much money. You would then have to claw it back. If you would redo the payroll, it means you will only have a few hours to turn it around because you need to typically release the payment, ideally two business days before the actual value date, just to make Mm -hmm. sure there are no glitches in the downstream banking platforms. But if you would, retract the payment file, you would also need to redo the payroll, which means you open up a window of additional changes because your payroll record isn't locked anymore. At the other side, you also want to make sure the employee receives the exactly correct pay. So the question is, would you jeopardize 9,999 payments, which assumed are to be correct for one payment that will be incorrect now that was the discussion yeah yes what was your at the time not what was the final decision but what was your instinct what did you want to 
to do? My instinct immediately was to not make a change because I would rather process one payment incorrectly than jeopardize all of the payments. And at the time, I was still in an office. So I also asked my team the question. At the time, I think a team of five, uh, and we had teams across the world as well, but in the physical office, we had a team of five. They concurred. They also said, we're not going to jeopardize this. But of course, that's not where the conversation ends. Uh, because still with the HR business partner, with the employee, we said, well, we still need to do something about this towards the employee. So I had to do a lot of explaining of how the process works, how the e-banking platform works, um, um, the, the time delays that would be there, the risk of all of it, uh, uh, next to, of course, a continuous improvement activity that we should do to avoid it. But that was a next step. You first needed to solve the immediate problem. So long story short, we ended up, well, actually, I ended up making a decision to just release the payments. But together with the HR business partner, reached out to the employee, not via a formal email, but via a video call to explain the situation because we wanted to make sure that the employee knew before it hit their bank account. So together, we explained the situation, did a lot of mea culpa. Well, they think they got like won the lottery or something. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, right? And uh, typically, uh, employees don't look at their pay slips or net pay unless there is a high expectation of a certain payment or there is a, a big variation. So most and likely this... Even look at their bank accounts, like they just go around spending and without realizing where the money came from. Exactly, so, yeah. exactly. Okay. So it's a, it's a nice little benefit. Um, but we wanted to make sure that the employee doesn't spend it before they need to uh, return the money. So with the team, we created some simulated pay slips with the correct pay, which we could do at the time. And then we just engaged with the employee. And surprisingly, they were fairly receptive for it. They said, well, we're all humans. We can make mistakes. I'll make sure to refund the money a few days after I received it. Just make sure it doesn't happen again. So I think this was a way to, to kind of overcome that situation. And then following, of course, there was a learning around to avoid these mistakes. But I think sometimes you just need to live up to an error and, 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 and partner together with whoever made the error. Uh, because I could have also said, you know, you, you HR, you made a mistake, you go and solve this, I just run my process. But that's not building a relationship with your business partners, but also not towards the employees. Now, I do know that I've, I've spoken to a lot of other payroll managers. There are different views. You know, you, you, you could also take the risk. And if it's successful, right, you, you could still make an adjustment and make sure the payment is there. Um, so there's different ways to, to view at it, uh, view at it, Angelique. And what, what, would, what advice would you give to someone perhaps who's newer in payroll and made that mistake, like your closing advice for the story? Well, I think this, uh, this brings back a memory where I knew we had a shared service center at the time. And there were a lot of people who were new in jobs. Basically, it was their first job. They did a lot of transactional work. And at the time, we had a remark list. Now, this was kind of a mythical remark list where we captured all of the errors that were made. And of course, you never like to see your name on an error list. So my main focus was to drive a culture that this is a remark list where we can learn from and avoid errors. So what I used to do whenever there was a remark for someone noted by one of my payroll controllers or payroll accountants, 
I used to just have a 15-minute conversation with that particular uh, employee in the service center to say, this is the purpose. Don't be scared because this person was really down. He said, oh, I am on a remark list. I just wanted to make sure that we do this to ensure quality, to uh, um, drive process improvements, and to create a culture of we're all in it together, regardless of your location, regardless of your uh, hierarchical position. We just need to learn from this. Uh, but I said, let's not make the mistake again. So I urge the person to come up with some ideas to make sure it doesn't happen again. And that kind of creates more of a, a us versus I versus them culture, just to make sure that they feel comfortable. Just do your job, learn, make mistakes, but let's make sure it doesn't happen again. I think that would probably be my closing advice, part one, Anjali. Oh, part one, okay. Well, thank you for sharing us, your story and your advice with everyone. Um, and I'm just wondering what else has been going on in the world of global payroll this week? What have you heard or seen that sparked your interest? Um, is there something you'd like to share? Always. So there's never a day that I don't think about payroll and probably you like most payroll professionals. And I've actually noted this down on an old fashioned piece of paper, Angelique, because otherwise my old brain can't remember. Um, so I read the, the monthly Paytech magazine from the payroll org. And I always love the section where they do a Q&A with a member. Uh, so who's a member, a certified member of the, uh, the payroll org, formerly known as the American Payroll Association. And she was asked, okay, what advice would you give to someone who starts their payroll career. And her answer, just for me, embodies the DNA of a payroll professional. She said, and I'll quote, um, everyone starting a payroll needs to study and learn as much about payroll tax compliance and calculations as possible, as you cannot just rely on software to do it for you. Knowing this also allows you to double check. Now, we're in the payroll business, Angelique. We have a great global payroll management platform that automates all the validations and does everything. But the DNA of a payroll professional still is to give advice to someone starting, you need to know your calculations. You need to be able to get that payslip, do a gross to net calculation, just to make sure everything in the payroll engine is correct. So anybody listening to the call, I, I hope that this resonates with you because if I think of all the conversations we have with clients and prospects, checking, double checking, regardless of uh, technological advancements is still uh, of this day and age. So that was something I, I wanted to share. And then also I was listening to another podcast because although we're of course a fantastic podcast, Angelique, and that someone and everyone should subscribe to, there are others. Again, this was from uh, the Payroll Org Pay Talk. And Nathan North, so the, the um, uh, Global Strategic Director of, uh, of Payroll Org and Eric uh, Hachmer from, the, from EY discussed the Global Payroll survey that you can, by the way, download uh, for free. So I encourage everyone to always stay on top of it. I read it over the weekend because payroll never stops, let alone sleeps. And reading the survey, it just means that we're still discussing the same themes that we were discussing 10, 15 years ago, regardless of how the industry evolves. So when I read it, the, the top one priority is the basics, enhancing the performance and accuracy of payroll processes while ensuring compliance. You know, I would probably say this is the top one priority 10 years ago. It will be the top priority 10 yes. years from now. Yeah, definitely. It's amazing. And the other one, which also speaks to kind of our platform and, 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 and how we use data, is global data and insights. Um, 
just unlocking the data that we have, making it meaningful to influence business decisions. And when talking uh, to Sam, I hope everyone knows Sam, but that's our head of marketing here at Pesar. We'll most likely do a webinar about practical examples, how to actually use global payroll data, because you see a lot of posts and communication out there that speaks about, oh, we have wealth of data. And I'm, by the way, guilty to it as well, uh, without giving practical examples like, okay, which data is actually relevant? How do you need to show it? What kind of what-ifs analysis support location strategy or the budgeting process that most of the companies are in now if they have a financial year from, from Jan until December. Lastly, last yes. week, I was fortunate enough to deliver a webinar to the National Payroll Institute of Canada with my dear friend, Stephen Van Elstein. Nice. Yeah, the topic was how to diversify your knowledge into global payroll because they ran a survey within their members to identify the need for global payroll. Most of their members are running domestic payrolls in Canada. Some of them may be also the US payroll because typically that's connected, but there was a huge interest in, uh, in global payroll. And one of the polling questions we designed upfront was, um, do you have a preference for one of these service levels to process payroll? One of them was run it in-house. So that means you have a software and then control the payroll process end-to-end. -end. Do you prefer uh, outsourced payrolls? Or it depends. And actually, the number one answer, you need to guess now, Angelique, what was the number one answer that the payroll professionals gave? Mm, is that Was there an option of hybrid? Well, you said it depends. I suppose that's... I'm going to guess that. You would, you would expect, but actually, the answer was in-house. Oh, okay. And I, and did, I just want to link it back. Did you get insights on, on why? Like, did, did people say why they preferred it? Yes. And I actually want to link it back also to that, uh, that interview in the Paytech magazine where people said, I would need to run the calculation myself. I want to double check it, which kind of uh, links to this urge and intrinsic motivation of payroll professionals to control the end-to-end -end process. And if you run a payroll in-house, you control it end-to-end. You drive your calendar. You typically your your payroll processes schedules are tighter. And you know I still like running payrolls in house. I actually enjoyed that. Although I love the outsourced payrolls as well because you interact with with different payroll providers. Um, you you can overlay it with a platform like us. It's this more multi dimensional than in house. But I think it speaks to the the the, the high need of controlling the end to end process, controlling the the system and just controlling the output. So I think that was very interesting. But Angelique, maybe this was just me. What have you read this week about global payroll that sparked your interest? Well, it's not something I've read exactly, but what you were mentioning about like having a level of control was interesting because we were actually just talking with a client of ours from Mercury Engineering uh, like this this week. And um, one of the things he he mentioned was that Yes, we have more control and we we kind of have the process end-to-end -end now that we're using Pesar, but it actually means it's less work, which was interesting mm. to me than, than their experience with outsourcing the payroll was actually more work because they had to go back and forth. Uh, their queries would take forever to get answers to. And it, it just reminded me of what you were saying there about, you know, having more control can often be, you know, that's a preference for many, many people. So. It is. It is. Well, thanks, Angelique. Uh, and thanks to you, Max. 
So I think this is a good place for us to wrap up for today's episode of Plug and Pay. Thank you everyone for joining us. And as we said, we will be releasing a new episode every week um, on Fridays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and also on YouTube. So if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe. Also, you can leave us a review. And as well as our podcast, we'll also be running webinars every month. Um, So you can find out about those on our LinkedIn page. Give us a follow and you'll be able to sign up for any that interest you. Um, Anything else to add, Max, before we go? No, thanks. I've enjoyed it again, Angelique. I just want to encourage everyone listening, uh, reach out to us uh, via LinkedIn if there's any topics you would like to see discussed or even feature on the podcast. And we'll also be running a few polls on LinkedIn. So make sure to engage on those ones because it actually drives the conversation of a new weekly episode. So until next week. Bye. Bye.